have with me on stage Steph Brown. And Steph is our Director of Kids and Family Ministries. And uh, Steph came on in February of the, well, a little before that, but it was kind of, the t- reins were turned over to you late February, and you had about a, about a week, and then COVID hit. Yep. So, you know, you really haven't had to do anything in this time. No, I'm just kidding. Steph's done a fantastic job. Fantastic. That was a joke. You can laugh. <laughs> I think people forget they can laugh after wearing masks all the time. But... Um, but Steph has done a fantastic job leading our kids' ministry. She's had to navigate uh, new realities that she never signed up for, that she wasn't expecting, um, uh, deal with uh, volunteer requests of, well, some are comfortable wearing a mask, some who aren't, some who wouldn't serve until they could wear a mask. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a, a big task for her to manage that. And so I just want to commend her in front of all of you. She has done a fantastic job, and we're grateful for you. Yeah, really grateful. Amen. Well, hey, I brought stuff up because in October, so next Sunday already, yeah. you guys are starting a, a new curriculum. That's one of the things that, uh, that you're kind of implementing as you're leading and excited about that taking off next Sunday. And I want you to tell us a little bit about that and an, and an app too that you're launching. Um, just turn it over to you. Okay. So starting next Sunday uh, back in Wallace Kids, we are starting curriculum. It's called the Grow Curriculum. Um, it focuses a lot on God and his love for kids and for all of us, but it also teaches kids how to love him and how to grow closer to him. Um, we're really, really excited to get started with that back there. Um, so that's going to start for us next week from the pre-K group clear up through grade four. Um, but also something else I'm really excited about is this new app um, that I would like to introduce you all to. It's called the Parent Q app. Um, and this year, I'm really trying to focus on connecting parents to what we do here on a Sunday morning and giving them those resources they need to just maybe help them through a time in their child's life where they're just not quite sure what they should say or what they should do. So this app gives um, those great resources. Um, so I'm going to have you watch a short video, and then I'll explain more. From the day your child is born to the day they graduate, you have 936 weeks. 936 weeks of soccer practice and homework and teaching them to use deodorant. 936 weeks to instill values, to build character, and to prepare them to face the world. You want to be a great parent, and we are here to help with each moment of your parenting goals. Driving your fourth grader to practice, saying goodbye to your 10th grader as he is walking out the door, eating tacos in the kitchen with your seventh grader, tucking your toddler in at night. These moments happen every week, and we want you to be aware of the time you have left, because when you are, you do more with the time you have now. We cue you with easy, just-in-time ideas of things to say, things to do, and things to think about to connect with the heart of your child. Our cues are grounded in God's big story, so your child can discover the power of faith in those everyday moments of life. Every cue fits the context of your child's developmental phase. We cue you when your high schooler won't leave their room. Your middle schooler won't pick up their clothes. Your two-year-old won't stop talking. We help you understand these moments, and we help you connect. You only have 936 weeks. You can't afford to waste them. Parent Q, helping you be the parent you want to be. Download it for free today.
So this app is kind of cool. I downloaded it. I've got it on my phone. I got it on my iPad. And um, one of the first things it does, you put it in and you put your kids in there. You can put all of them in or grandkids, whoever. And uh, you put it in. So I've got Charlie in there. Charlie is four. And it tells me right away, uh, he, you have 688 weeks until he moves on. Yeah, only 200 over here. I mean, like you, you open that and you're like, oh man, that's pretty sobering. And your heart kind of drops a little bit. And he's been around for 248 weeks. And, but this is, stuff. this is really cool because it, it does, it creates this sense of urgency. Like uh, my time, my influence on him is limited. And uh, if I do a good job too, it'll be 688 weeks and then he'll move along and that'll be good too. It's another joke. You can still laugh. Um, but it's cool. It gives you some things like to read, um, to focus on. And it's all age so what else would you want to tell us about this? This is really cool. Okay, so with this app, just like Josh said, Charlie is four, so everything's going to focus on what a four-year-old is going through. So I have the app for my two kids. I am surviving two middle schoolers at home right now. <laughs> so I have, for Jackson, I only have 252 weeks until he moves on. So for those of you, there's a lot of you with 13-year-olds in here. You're about in the same boat as I am. So um, it's really cool um, to get those resources to help you through those challenging and not so challenging times. Um, then another thing that's going to be really cool with this app, this is where I can push out things for Wawasee Kids. So even if you do not have a child in Wawasee Kids, still get the app. And you can use all these other resources. But just know, Wawasee Kids Age Kids, you're going to get discussion questions based off of Sunday's lesson that you can then talk with your kids at home throughout the week and really explore together what was taught that Sunday morning. Yeah, which is really cool because, I mean, what is it, 156 hours in a week? Yeah. And uh, we bring them here on a Sunday morning. They're in Wawasee Kids for one of those so the other 155 falls back to us as parents. And uh, what a great resource just to, it's, it's helpful. Just good things to think about, talk about, encourage them. And so thanks for, for spearheading this. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Steph, um, I don't want to let you go, though, about talking about this marble thing, too. Oh, I, I actually, after first service, I had several people go, I want to know where these marbles came from. So these marbles, this is, again, something that goes with the app. I am not pushing the marbles. If you want the marbles, I will get you information about the marbles. But again, each week, Jackson and Callie each have one. They put a marble in, and it counts their weeks. So what's in the cube is what we have gone through already. My bag used to be overflowing. This is all I've got left. But the cool thing also with these marbles I didn't share before Birthday marbles go in here. There's special ones for those. There's baptism marble. There's all different stages of life marbles too. So it's a really cool visual. Like to know as a parent, we get them on average 3,000 hours a year. And then the church gets them for 40 hours on average a year. So just how big our impact as parents can be. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Steph, again, before letting you go too, I just want to plug, I know you, you can always use more help back in kids' ministry and the nursery and check-in and you name it, right? Yes, we could use some more volunteers. So if you like to hold babies and play with really little ones, nursery's for you. <laughs> if you like to 
play with pre-K and kindergarten kids and color and draw and sometimes be messy. We've had, I think one week we had mud that was made. So, so if that stuff interests you, that group's for you. And then we also have the older groups and check-ins. So if you're interested, just uh, send me an email and I will get back to you. Yeah, so just Steph at Wawasee Bible. You can stop by the Connect desk. Always looking for more people to serve and would encourage you to, to get plugged in somewhere. That's a great spot where you can. Um, Steph, we're thankful for you. You're doing a great job. And uh, yeah, we're just we're really grateful for you. Give Steph a hand. Well, as, uh, as we mentioned, um, you know, there's, there are, there's lots of opportunities to serve. We're talking about faithfulness today. And one of the things I'm, I'm really grateful for as I look out and see just a number of you who have been faithful to our church for a number of years, um, uh, who are faithful to serve, and I would encourage you if you're not serving somewhere yet, hey, this place is never gonna feel like home until you're in there serving, getting plugged in somewhere in a life group, in a ministry. Uh, get plugged in. We would love uh, to... If, if we have to, we'll, we'll find a place for you. And uh, we would love to, to get you connected, though. Hey, as we, uh, as we take off this morning, uh, I want to show you a picture. Well, we'll come back to it. But I wonder if you recognize the, what this picture is. There it is. Do you recognize this picture? It's not too hard. What is it? A star. Thank you. Good work, Roger. Thank you. It's a star. But do you know what star it is? Up in the sky, another keen observation. It's, it's actually Polaris. It's the North Star. Uh, it's called the North Star because it's the star closest in line uh, with the North Pole of our planet. And uh, basically what that creates is that when the Earth rotates around its axis, the North Star, uh, from our perspective, never moves. It's always steadfast. It's, it's unchanging in fact, if you were to do a time lapse with your camera pointed north, you would see uh, the North Star as a star and everything else spinning around it. Pretty incredible, isn't it? They, they God designed that in such a way that there's this one star that's just steady and steadfast and unchanging. And, and for, for thousands of years, people have looked to that star for guidance to figure out what direction they're heading. You know, I get confused at night. Is it, am I looking east or west or south or what direction am I looking? And if I can find the North Star, I can get my bearings. You might refer to this as, is it, the North Star's faithful. You can trust it. It's, it's steadfast. It's unchanging. Well, contrast this with a shooting star. A shooting star uh, is pretty cool to look at. You ever seen one? Oh, it's not really a star at all, right? It's a meteor that's coming in through the Earth's atmosphere. And, but a shooting star is pretty cool. It catches your attention. You see it zip across the sky, but almost as quickly as you see it, what happens? It fades away and it's gone. And it just burns up and it's not there anymore. They're beautiful, shooting stars are, but they're not dependable. If I was waiting to get my direction on a shooting star, I'd be in trouble. And I'd have, I'd have no clarity, uh, certainly not like a compass, not like the North Star would be. Well, we're studying the fruit of the Spirit, and today we're looking at the fruit of faithfulness. Faithfulness. Uh, 
Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and today, faithfulness. And faithfulness is this trustworthy dependence. Uh, It's trustworthiness, something being dependable and steadfast and unchanging. And, And not only that, but being that way for the long haul. Over a long period of time, that's, that's faithfulness. And the North Star is a great example of something in our world that's faithful. But its creator is actually even more faithful. God is perfectly faithful. He, he's, he, he never breaks a promise. We've been singing about that already this morning. In fact, to the point that even Paul reminds Timothy, even when we're not faithful, God remains faithful to keep his promises and to care for us, and to be with us. And we can take, uh, take courage and take heart in that. It, it's his nature. It's, it's who he is, and he can't deny himself. He is so faithful that he could never be unfaithful. That, that doesn't line up with the reality of people, does it? Because we're sinful, and we, we all struggle to be faithful at times. But God is unchanging. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take some time. We're going to look at God's faithfulness as the Bible presents it. Then we're going to see that God calls us then to be faithful like he's faithful, and therefore be like Jesus. So with that, let me pray. Then we're going to look at God's faithfulness, okay? Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is unchanging. He's unwavering. He's the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow, as he will be a thousand years from now. And because of that, uh, Father, we can trust you. We can trust you. Um, Holy Spirit, would you teach us today? Remind us of your faithfulness. Give us a, a new vision of how you've been faithful to us in the past, how you're being faithful to us now so that we could uh, trust you to be faithful in the future. And then also, uh, work in our hearts in such a way that you would grow in us this, the, the fruit of faithfulness, that we could be more like you, more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for your work in our lives. And Father, thank you for Jesus, and we pray all of this through him. Amen. Well, as we've said already, God is faithful. He's trustworthy. He's dependable. He's unwavering. Completely, in every way, he's trustworthy and dependable. In fact, I don't know that I can think of anything else that the Bible says more about God than his faithfulness. I mean, it is this constantly repeated theme throughout Scripture, Old and New Testaments, always referring to the fact that God is faithful and that that's why people trust him and that that's why they can turn back to him even when they've been unfaithful and and he is everlastingly, eternally, perfectly faithful. We see it all throughout Scripture. Let me show you just some of them because we could spend the whole morning, and we're going to read a lot, but we could read a whole bunch of Scripture just about God's faithfulness, and we're barely going to scratch the surface today. But but, uh, we read this together earlier. Moses writes this song. He, He says, the rock, and when you think of a rock, what do you think of? Don't think like a rock, like a little rock you can throw. Think like mountain, rock, unmovable, unshakable. The rock, his work is perfect. He's, of course, referring to God. For all of his ways are justice. He's a God of faithfulness without any iniquity. Just and upright is he. And we go on. The psalmist writes this. All the paths of the Lord, all of his ways are steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast. Do you know what steadfast means? Steadfast means like resolute, unwavering, 
unchanging, always the same. So, so God's love, all of his ways are, are steadfast love and faithfulness, unchanging love for us, love for you. There's, there's nothing you could do to earn his love. There's nothing you could do to diminish his love. There's nothing you could do to increase his love for you. It's completely, totally steadfast and faithful. And it's all dependent upon him, not upon us. Know therefore, uh, in Deuteronomy, it also says, know therefore that the Lord, your God, is God. He's the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now I wonder, as you think back, can you, can you tell me who your great, 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 great granddad is? I can't either. But you know what I can tell you is that God was just as faithful in his day as he is in my day, as he will be to my children's 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 children. He's unchanging. He keeps his steadfast love through, through all generations, to a thousand generations. God is incredibly faithful and unchanging. Now, that's a hard thing for us to get our minds around because in our sinful nature, none of us are perfectly faithful, are we? I mean, the first person to say, yeah, I'm perfectly faithful. Liar. <laughs> You're a liar. Now, hopefully you're growing in faithfulness, but none of us are perfect. In fact, uh, so it's hard for us to comprehend God's faithfulness at times, but, but God is not man. He's not human, so that, we should lie, that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. I mean, has he ever said, and he won't do it? Or has he ever spoken, and he won't fulfill it? What's the clear answer? No. He's faithful to everything that he says he will do. He's unchanging, unwavering. Now, we could go through all kinds of psalms as well about God's faithfulness and psalms being the songs that God's people sang. And I wonder if, if we were to go back in time, we could hop in a time machine, we get into DeLorean, we head back into ancient Israel and we could ask them, hey, you keep singing about God's faithfulness. I have a question. How do you know it's true? How do you know that's true about him that he's faithful? And if we go back to the day of Moses, I think immediately people say, oh, let me tell you. Well, here's the deal. Like God made a promise to our great, 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 and so on, granddad, a guy named Abraham. And he promised to make him into a great nation. And guess what? Look at us now. We're a huge nation. He totally fulfilled that promise. And then he said that we're going to end up in Egypt for like 400 years, but then the, he's going to bring us out. And guess what? We were in Egypt for 400 years. And now guess what God did miraculously, even though we were slaves under Pharaoh, he, he brought us out. In fact, you should have seen some of the plagues that he did. Like, like Pharaoh was just cowering in fear after God had his way. And then Pharaoh got mad. He chased us and we came to the Red Sea and we thought we were goners. And we wondered, will God still be faithful when it looks like there's no way out? Is he going to provide a way? And suddenly the, the, the sea parted and we crossed on dry land. And then we got across and we saw that Pharaoh's coming, but then we turned around and the sea closed in on him. You should, you should have heard the cheering. Like God is so faithful. I wonder what are the stories you could tell? What are the stories you could tell of how God's been faithful to you? Because he has been. And like, I don't know, I don't see him. No, you just haven't recognized him. Maybe you'd spend some time this week just journaling and thinking about the ways that God has been good and faithful to you because, friend, he has.
He has. And, and, and part of growing uh, is seeing more and more of God's faithfulness to us, which then uh, causes us to desire to be faithful to him. He's been faithful. We could continue on. You know, the, the word of the Lord is upright. All his work is done in faithfulness, Psalm 33. Psalm 36, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. God's, God's faithfulness, he's, he's trustworthy, he's dependable, he's steadfast. Steadfast, I already said, means resolute, firm, unwavering. He's eternal, he's unchanging. Well, this is good news because what this means is that even when I'm suffering, even for the Israelites when they were suffering, even for the things that they brought on themselves, even for the things I bring on myself, God is still faithful. He still cares. He still loves me. He still will be with me. Nothing about him has changed. It's a great promise to be reminded of. In fact, uh, maybe you've heard the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. You ever sung that? Uh, it's really inspired by Lamentations chapter 3. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow that uh, the guy who wrote the hymn writes, of turning with thee. You change, thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As you have been, you will ever, you forever will be. We sang that a lot when I was a student at Moody Bible Institute. It's kind of a theme song. And I learned uh, while I was there that it was in the 1920s or 30s that when after that hymn was written, it became famous because the president of Moody heard it and he brought it back to the school and everybody started singing it. And now it's in everybody's hymnals because it's so good and it's straight out of scripture. See, look, uh, look at uh, Lamentations 3. And by the way, Lamentations, it, it, this is a whole book of lament. What's it a lament of? Of, 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 the, of God's people's unfaithfulness, of the ways they've turned their back on him and that they've ran away from him and, and after their own gods and their own sin. And yet... In the midst of this, and even in uh, God's discipline that's coming for them, uh, Jeremiah writes, he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what your week's been like. I don't know what your week coming up is going to be like. I don't know what's on the, the radar for you. But, but this you should call to mind, and you would have hope, like Jeremiah. The steadfast love of the Lord. It's unchanging. It's unwavering. His love, it, it, it never ceases. What's that mean? When's it going to end? Never, right? I mean, never ceases means never. Never say never? Well, you can say never about God's love ever ceasing because it will never cease. In fact, how about his mercies his, and his grace to me? They never come to an end. I can't, I can't use them all up. I shouldn't presume upon them in sin, but I can, they're never going to run out for me. In fact, his mercies are going to be new every morning. He'll give you all the mercies you need to make it through today. And then in the morning when you wake up, he'll give you all the mercies you need and I need to make it through tomorrow. And he is faithful to do that day after day, after week, after month, after year, after decade. He's faithful. Uh, Psalm 119, 
This is some more scripture. I think it's good for us to see this. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You've established the earth and it stands fast. And even as uh, we keep going, uh, Philippians, you, you might wonder, um, okay, God's faithful, but, and Josh, I, like I, I committed to him. I, I gave my life to him and I've made some really dumb choices where now I've, I've kind of run away. Would he ever take me back? He totally will. Or it feels like, you know, I've trusted him, but it, I just like, there's just this dry spell. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think maybe he's just given up on me because I am not experiencing him in the same way I once did. Will he ever give up on you? And has he changed? No. In fact, he is faithful, even when you've been unfaithful, to complete what he began. Paul says he was so sure of God's faithfulness. He said, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That that he will work even in the midst of our own failures. He's faithful even when we're unfaithful. God is faithful, friends. Every James, every good and perfect gift is from above. James 1.17, it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Isaiah in the Old Testament said, haven't you known, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint, he doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Friends, God is faithful. He's faithful. I could go on and on and on. I don't think there's anything else the Bible says more about God than his faithfulness. Well, <clears throat> in his faithfulness, part of, uh, part of God's faithfulness, he can't be unfaithful to himself, but also he expresses his faithfulness to us because he desires that we be faithful. He wants you and I to be faithful. God's faithful and he wants us to be faithful. First, he wants us to be faithful to him, to be faithful to him. And I don't know about you, but that, that's, that's my desire with my life. And it, and it grieves me when I'm not. And I, I, I repent and turn back to him. And I mean, I long to hear the words that Jesus promises to say to those who trust him at the end. What's he going to say? Well done, good and what? Faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. See, he, he, he's faithful so that we can be faithful. He wants us to be faithful. Well, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, let us hold fast then to the confession of our hope. Hold fast to our faith without wavering, steadfast. For he who promised is faithful. His faithfulness inspires us to be faithful. It it enables us to be faithful. Paul, at the end of his life, wrote to Timothy, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, finished the course. He was faithful. My my prayer would be that everyone in this room, like at the end of your life, you'd be able to say the same thing. You know what, Josh? There were uh, all kinds of ups and downs. I mean, it was a roller coaster, man. And a lot of it was my own doing. But in the end, God was faithful and I was able to remain faithful to him and always come back to him. He always took me back and I finished the course. I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I pray that's, that that would be said, that all of us could, could say those things truthfully. But not only faithful to God, faithful to other people. See, faithfulness is really the foundation of any relationship, of any friendship. 
I mean, whether it's in, in marriage or, or a friendship or, or any relationship, faithfulness is the foundation of it. And, and all of us probably in this room, to some degree or another, have experienced uh, someone who's been unfaithful to us. And chances are we have all been unfaithful to other people in those relationships and in those friendships. And we know the pain that it can cause and the division that it causes. But, but we also know God remains faithful even when we're unfaithful and he can fix any of those things. He can heal us and he's faithful to do just that. But that faithfulness to others, it's, it's at the root, at the foundation of friendship. This week in your life group, you're gonna look at the story of Ruth. You know Ruth? She's a, a gal in the Old Testament and Ruth was incredibly faithful, an incredibly faithful friend to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Uh, in fact, her name, Ruth, uh, in the Hebrew, it's derived from a word that means friend or companion. So I'd encourage you, even if you're not in a life group, do that study this week and see the example of her faithfulness to Naomi. Proverbs tells us, Solomon said, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. They're faithful. You know, you, you think of sports, right? And fair weather fans, and uh, how about you ever had any fair weather friends where they were, they were there when things were good and the going was good, but things got tough and they just kind of ventured away and off into the sunset. It's painful, isn't it? And chances are we've all had them and we've all been that friend to some degree too. But a true friend, truth is rooted in faithfulness. They love it all times. It's critical to friendship. And we all need friends. We all do. So if you're not in a life group, maybe you'd get plugged into a life group and God would use that over time to develop friendships in your life. Because uh, Solomon also said this. He said, if, if they fall, if someone falls and they have a friend, one will lift up his friend, lift up his fellow but woe to him who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. We need faithful friends to be with us. They can be counted on when crisis hits and, and you need to be a faithful friend. I wonder, are you loyal to your friends? Can they count on you to be there? Have you been there for them? Have you, have you reached out to them recently? Have you told them you love them? How soon can you do that? And be faithful to them. Tell them soon. And, and being faithful, it means persevering. Sometimes you have to suck it up. Sometimes it's really hard, incredibly hard. And in terms of being faithful to God and faithful to other people, uh, there's, there's so many examples in Scripture, but I, I want to take a little bit of time here and look at the example of a guy named Moses. Moses, because Moses displays this in a, a pretty great way. You know, um, Moses is... In fact, let's just consider Moses. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, holy brothers, you will share, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Think about Jesus. He's incredibly faithful. The apostle and high priest of our confession who is faithful to him who appointed him. But then look what it says right after that. Just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's house. I don't know about you, but like for me, it'd be a big win if somebody, uh, if God in the end would say, Josh, you grew to be like Jesus. In this case, God says, actually, Jesus is 
like Moses. He's a greater Moses. Can you imagine? See, because the writer of Hebrews is actually quoting from the Old Testament, from Numbers chapter 12. Uh, Moses had a brother and a sister, and uh, they started, uh, there was just some conflict there. And they started speaking ill of him. And so then God comes in. You ever do that? You have kids and you settle the fight? God walks in and kind of settles the fight once and for all. Look at this. He said, hey, hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. That's, that's how God spoke to the prophets, right? They recognize that. He says, uh, it's not so with my servant Moses, though. I don't just speak to him in a vision or in a dream. He is faithful in all my house. Can you imagine God saying that of you? That would that'd terrify me a little bit if I heard God say that of me. I mean, just the, the, even the pressure that, that puts on to some, some extent in my humanity. But he goes on, he says, I, I don't speak with Moses in a vision or in a dream. I, I speak with him mouth to mouth, face to face. He... he senses and sees even my parents. Moses is unique in all of God's house. And the characteristic that God points to in his uniqueness is what? His faithfulness. So if, if God is pointing out Moses as faithful, eh, it seems like that'd be a good guy for us to look at in terms of faithfulness and what it looks like, wouldn't it? Well, I wonder what all he had in mind. Well, if you, uh, if you look just at Numbers chapter 11 through 16, you get a glimpse here of Moses and his faithfulness as a leader, both to the people he was serving and to God. Uh, think about some of these things. You might read that whole narrative later, Numbers 11, chapter 11 through 16. Uh, he had catering problems. He had to figure out how to feed all these people. And so he prayed, God provided food for him. And then he had to deal with the fact that not everybody liked the food God provided for him. So he prayed again and God provided more food and he provided some meat. And Moses was faithful. There was confusion in chapter 11. And we're going to look at this just briefly over some gifts of the spirit that Moses had to deal with. He had criticism from his own family in Numbers chapter 12 about his marriage. Uh, he, he had to have discouragement after he picks 12 leaders and he, he sends them off into the promised land to spy out the land that God had promised to give to them. God who's faithful keeps all his promises. And when they came back, only two of them said, yeah, let's take it. And the other 10 said, ah, those people are too big. I don't know. I don't know that I believe God's going to keep his promise to us. I mean, they didn't say that, but that's what they said. I don't know if God's going to be faithful. Moses led through that. He, he, so he had to have discouragement. And then after that, it wasn't just with those 12 or, or those 10 that came back with the bad report, but then suddenly everybody joined in and the entire nation was grumbling against him. And he had to deal with that. And he was still faithful to God and faithful to God's people. He had, a, he had death threats in Numbers chapter 14. He had uh, key leaders who, who uh, basically declared mutiny on him, who left him in Numbers chapter 16. And yet through all of it, Moses was faithful. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. In the midst of crisis after crisis, he stayed faithful to the job God had given him. God could trust Moses, even under incredible pressure. And I think that's why God commends him for his faithfulness. Uh, Christopher Wright, uh, an author, writes about this passage. And um, 
he, he mentions Moses' faithfulness specifically in two areas. And so I'm just going to kind of steal that from him because I think it, it's good. Uh, Numbers chapter 11 through 16, he says there's two areas where he sees Moses being marked by faithfulness. The first is in Numbers 11, and, and it's this complete lack of selfish jealousy by Moses. Uh, there were two men um, named Eldad and Medad uh, who were leaders under Moses. And uh, during this time in Numbers chapter 11, God pours out his spirit on a number of people so that uh, he could take the burden of leadership off of Moses. But for whatever reason, when he had called all the leaders out and God did this, these two guys stayed back in the camp. We're not told why. We don't know if it was some kind of rebellion. We don't know if it was just they got busy. If We don't have any idea. We're not told. But they stayed there. And after God pours out his spirit, everybody uh, who is leading begins to prophesy. And then uh, they hear that there's two guys back in the camp, these two, who begin prophesying. And can you go back to that verse? Uh, the, the, the spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. Now, Moses is the leader, right? These two guys, for whatever reason, didn't follow his lead. They weren't there and everybody else is prophesying. And now these two are. And what happens is Moses' assistant, a guy named Joshua, hears of it. Somebody else does and Joshua does. And Joshua comes to Moses and he's like, Moses. There's two guys, those two guys that aren't, they're back in the camp, they're prophesying. I don't know if we can have this. I mean, I, what if they cause some kind of insurrection and there's, there's, there's more chaos? I, I don't know that we can do this. You, you, we got to stop this. We got to put an end to this now. I mean, you see it here, right? Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth said, my Lord Moses, stop them. Don't let them do that. Now, Moses answers Joshua. And, and Moses, I mean, again, he's faithful in all of God's house. He's an incredible leader. I think you could make a, a strong argument. He's the next best leader only to Jesus in the Bible. And uh, so Moses had a right to say, you know, put his foot down and, and put a stop to what was going on and even kind of be jealous for the spirit to work in him and in the people that he had been with. And Instead, look how he responds. I, I kind of wonder if he smiled a little bit. Moses said to Joshua, are you jealous for my sake? Oh man, would, all, would that all the Lord's people were prophets. In other words, I wish that all of God's people were prophets. I wish God would pour out his spirit on, on every one of them. He wasn't jealous that there were just two in there who happened to be prophesying. He wished everybody could. I mean, in I mean, selfishly for Moses, that would have meant he wouldn't have to deal with all of them and their problems either because the spirit would be working perfectly through them. But he wasn't, he wasn't jealous. You know, if God wanted to spread his gifts around, that was okay with Moses. He didn't need to monopolize that. Uh, he was faithful to God. He was faithful to these people. And faithfulness to God, faithfulness to others means we're not jealous of others. When someone succeeds, we're happy for him. When someone's hurting, we're empath we empathize with them. We come alongside them. And, and Moses demonstrated that well. I, I think he's right in pointing out uh, Moses' lack of selfish jealousy. Another thing uh, Wright points out is uh, the, a lack of selfish ambition. 
Later in that same story, uh, after the spies come back in chapter 13, you get chapter 14, and they refuse to go into the promised land, the land God promised to give them. And uh, this was actually, for the second time, God then threatens to destroy all the people. He's like, all right, Moses, I've had enough of these people. Like they're just, they're stiff-necked, they're hard-hearted. I'm done, I'm gonna wipe them all out. I'm gonna start over with you. Now, if I'm in Moses' place, part of me goes, okay, how are you gonna do it? <laughs> but Moses doesn't do that. I mean, imagine if you were in that spot, wouldn't you? I mean, all the, all the heartache he had, he had endured from these people, all the ways that they rebelled against him, threats on his life, and yet, uh, instead, I, I think God was testing Moses. Moses actually, instead, he prays for those people that God had given him to lead. And he said, God, don't do this. Be faithful to your promise. He appeals to his faithfulness. Remember your promise to Abraham. Well, what would people say if you did that? Show your faithfulness to us. Don't do that. He refused uh, uh, to, to show selfish ambition and just start over with himself. He, he he was faithful to God. He was faithful to God's people. And, and for Moses, this meant 40 years of faithful obedience to God, day after day, year after year. Let me remind you, in a job he never wanted in the first place. He never even wanted this job. But God gave it to him. And so he was faithful to the people God gave him, and he was faithful to the job God gave him, and he was faithful to God because God is faithful. And ultimately, even though God in his grace compares Jesus to Moses, ultimately it's Moses who is like Jesus and pointing forward to Jesus. And God is faithful. He wants us to be faithful like Jesus, to be like him. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, to be trustworthy, dependable, uh, unwavering, to be steadfast. Moses is a great example of faithfulness, but Jesus is an even greater example. He's more faithful, perfectly faithful. I mean, Jesus came and he accomplished everything that God gave him to do. Toward the end of his life, right before he's crucified, here's what Jesus said in his prayer. He says, I, I, Lord, I glorified you on earth. I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And then he died on the cross. I don't know about you, but like, that's, that's kind of how I hope my life goes that like whatever it is God's given me to do that uh, by his grace, I would remain faithful to that. And then, uh, you know, whatever it is, I, I wrap it up, everything he's given me to do. And then <gasps> there's the end and I drop. That'd be perfect. That's what Jesus does. I want to be like him in that way. We're called to be the same, to finish the race like Paul said. And he called for faithfulness among Jesus' followers. But, but faithfulness is costly. It's costly. I mean, for Jesus, faithfulness was costly. It, it, meant, it means for us denying ourselves, taking up our cross. It, it's not for anyone who would start out with enthusiasm and then quickly turn back. It's incredibly hard. But the writer of Hebrews, again, gives us some instruction. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and he goes on, uh, it tells us to, to, to finish the race, to run with endurance what's set before us. And while we're doing it, to consider him, to consider Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that we wouldn't grow weary or faint-hearted. It was so costly for Jesus to be faithful. 
And it's going to be costly for you and for me to be faithful. But because God is faithful, he'll help us to be faithful. And, and just to come full circle here as we close, really the only way for me to do that is to have a foundation of faithfulness. To have something I'm standing on that's unchanging. To have something I'm looking to that never moves. And I just, I wonder as we close, where are you looking? We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and one of those is faithfulness, that the Holy Spirit would grow faithfulness in us, that trustworthiness, that dependableness for the long haul. Well, if you're going to do that, friend, where are you looking? Are you looking at the North Star, or are you looking at all the shooting stars? Because there, there's so many shooting stars that would grab your attention and that could grab your heart and, and cause you to turn away from maybe what it is that God has for you. But no, no, if, if you look to Jesus, though, he's unchanging. He's always there. He's always steadfast. He's unmoving. He, even, even when life is incredibly hard and incredibly lonely and incredibly painful, even when you bring all that pain on yourself, he is faithful and you can look to him to be faithful yourself. In fact, that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews tells us to do. He says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, uh, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. How looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. And as you look to him, the Holy Spirit uh, will grow. As you stay close to him, the Holy Spirit will grow that same faithfulness in you. Let's be faithful. Let me pray. 